Hey, Shanna, did you know that you can purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore? Yes. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But with Libro FM, you get to search up your local indie bookstore and support them instead. And if you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to squeeze more reading into your busy life. I constantly have a book in my ear because cleaning the house or exercising is so much more fun while reading. Sign up for Libro.fm and use the code GOODBOOKS to get two books instead of one for the price of your first month's membership. Good books. Good books. Okay, I see a red light. It is, in fact, recording. I see it too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Best Book Club podcast. I'm Shanna. And I'm Jen. And we are your hosts. As it turns out, our very first episode is going to be a bonus episode. Consider it a Christmas special, or I guess a Hogs Watch special would be more appropriate, since we are going to be discussing Hogfather by Terry Pratchett. Can I do a bonus episode for our first episode? I'm pretty sure it's allowed. To be fair, though, I do make the rules. That is true. We do. <laughs> we we do. Yes, we make the rules. <laughs> it's, it's what I tell my husband, too. It's all right. <laughs> so what is Hog's Watch? Don't worry. We'll tell you all about it over the course of this next hour. We are going to be uploading every Wednesday, but because this year Hogs Watch Night lands on a Thursday, um, we are going to be uploading at a little different of a time. Yes. Hence the bonus episode. Yeah. Plus, I mean, it's a special episode, so it can have a special day. So a little bit about how this podcast works. Uh, we have a book club in real life. It's called Best Book Club. And every month, a bunch of us ladies get together and we discuss whatever book we picked. So we wanted to bring you into it and uh, talk about it here too. So for December, we picked Hogfather by Terry Pratchett, which was Shanna's pick. It was mine. I am a big fan of Terry Pratchett and Discworld, which if you do not know by the end of this episode, that I don't know what you were listening to. Let me tell you about Discworld. Since I'm kind of a bit of a Discworld aficionado, not to brag, Discworld is a series that's made up of 41 novels written over 32 years. It is one of the biggest, most richly detailed, inventive fantasy worlds in the entire genre. So yeah, it's a pretty big deal. The books are comic fantasy. They're so funny. Honestly, I laugh out loud. Every single book multiple times a book. Yeah, I pretty much wanted to write down every single line of this book because <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, they're also satire, mostly. At the beginning, Discworld was just a parody of the fantasy genre. Basically, what happened was J.R.R. Tolkien got stupid successful with The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, which spawned a ton of knockoffs. And so this was Terry Pratchett's response to those. What was different about this one, as opposed to many of the other ones, is that they don't take themselves seriously. They are a straight up parody of the genre at large. Being so self-aware is part of what makes them so special. Eventually though, it becomes its own fully fleshed out world 
and they went from being a parody to satire since it's hard to parody something that these books are part of the genre. They started off as a joke, but they became literally integrated into the entire genre. So without going too terribly deep, uh, the Discworld is a flat disc-shaped planet that rests on the back of four elephants riding on the shell of a giant turtle that's just floating through space. The world has its own physics and laws and magic and tons of magical creatures, but it actually closely reflects Earth in a lot of ways. So like, for example, in this one, Hogswatch is really just Christmas, but satirized and in a fantasy world. Okay, so the stories are ridiculous. They're completely over the top, but they always have this thread of truth running through them. Uh, Pratchett takes these really, really big ideas and he makes them really fun and really funny. And they don't usually come off really preachy, which is also very, very nice. Although to be honest, I did find Hogfather to be one of the preachier ones, but considering it was a Christmas story and how preachy those generally are, peace, goodwill, whatever else Christmas is about, it would make sense that he would also be using those big themes. Yeah, and I didn't find it preachy at all. So a little bit about the author, Sir Terence David John Pratchett, or Sir Terry Pratchett, was born April 28th, 1948, and he died March 12th, 2015. At only 66 years old, he was too young. He was born in Beaconsfield, Buckinghamshire, England, which is probably the most English-sounding place I have ever said. Yeah, it sounds a little bit made up. Pretty much. <laughs> Just like every other place in England. You know, they do have a bit of a theme going. <laughs> yes. Pratchett has sold more than 85 million books worldwide. He is printed in 37 different languages and was the UK's best-selling author of the 90s. He was appointed Officer of the Order of the British Empire in 1998 and was knighted for services to literature in the 2009 New Year Honours. So yeah, he's great. Very, very cool guy. He's a very big deal. Or I guess was. Yeah. Which is, it's, I mean, I, I didn't know anything about him at all before I started doing some research for book club. And just hearing all the things that he's done, I mean, work with advocating for assisted death and documentaries that he's made. Uh, he's just done a lot of work. And also... I know he put a lot of money towards uh, Alzheimer's research as well. Yes. So yeah, finding out that he was actually diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's was just completely heartbreaking. Yeah, especially when you're somebody who uses your mind so effectively and has done so much good work with it, it's devastating. Yeah, the, yeah, we've definitely lost one of the greats because, I mean, this is my first Discworld book or Terry Pratchett anything. And I could just tell just from this one book how talented his brain was, how wonderful his stories were. And yeah, just to know that that isn't in the world anymore. Yeah, devastating. Yeah, and I honestly, I cannot believe how long it took me, especially as a fantasy reader and fan, to pick up Terry Pratchett. But I know why. I thought that Terry Pratchett was Percy Jackson, 
which I don't actually even think is the author's name. No, I think it's <laughs> the character. Right? <laughs> character in a book. Yeah. So something about what? Who, who is that author? What the hell is their name? Well, I can definitely tell you why one of the reasons I didn't pick up these books is because I think the covers are really ugly. And you are not wrong, <laughs> but they do grow on you. Yes, as Hogfather did. If like the cover of the book that I have shows this really weird looking Santa Claus being pulled on a sled by, by these really ugly pigs. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, that, no, thank you. So what is actually funny about the covers is he chose a very specific artist to do this over-the-top parody of the original fantasy genre covers. So they, the covers and the artwork is actually a parody of the genre as well. Yeah, so super intentional and... And super ugly. Super ugly. <laughs> yeah. But once I read the book, I thought, actually, this is great. <laughs> I know. I had a hard time deciding which copies I was going to collect, like if I wanted to do the new editions and the hardcovers. But after I read a few, I fell in love with the old paperback ridiculous covers. I don't... Yeah, so good. It was Rick Riordan that I was thinking of. And I on like I don't know why I thought they were the same, but Terry Pratchett in my brain was a middle grade author. And so I never picked him up. I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I think just having read this one book that maybe not quite middle grade, but I think the, the books could kind of speak to a lot of different ages. Yeah, I do wonder kind of how they would, because we are in our early 30s, so I don't know how much of a difference that makes. Like if mm -hmm. uh, we were older, like say our parents' age, I think a lot of the references might have landed a little bit better because so many of them go over my head. Oh, totally. <laughs> So I wonder, I mean, will our kids get anything that he's saying? I think they, they still could. Um, even all the references that are going over my head, I feel like enough of the story was still there to have a good time. It was super fun. And the jokes, even the ones that are actually references, they you don't have to understand what the reference is to get the joke. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I got a few references, but if the ones that I didn't get... I didn't know I didn't get them. Right? No idea. So yeah, he won the Carnegie Medal for The Amazing Maurice and His Educated Rodents, which was the first Discworld book marketed for children, which is, I assume, where I will force my children to start. Yes. Um, is three and a half too young, do you think? Um, no. No, it's I mean, probably not. I <laughs> mean, Jorah in grade one picked up Harry Potter and just started reading it. There you go. So that's not that much older. I mean, Harry Potter is definitely is for more children-ish. Yeah, I feel like you're supposed to age with him. Like, you should start at yeah. around 10. Yeah. And yeah, he won the Fantasy Award for Life Achievement in 2010. So he's amazing, and I just can't believe I neglected him for so much of my life. With 41 books, like, I could be so much further. Yeah, but I think probably choosing 2020 as the year to pick him up was probably the good call. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes books just wait for the reader, and it really, I don't know that I would have fallen into it the same way if I picked it up at any other time. So yeah, early on, he was an author and a journalist. He worked in the nuclear energy industry, and he gave up journalism when his writing career took off. He loved computers and technology and space and just 
people at large. All of these themes come through a lot in the books and you can really tell where his interests were reading them because they come through in every single novel. So far, anyways. He was a humanist, uh, and humanism is the philosophical stance that emphasizes the value and agency of human beings individually and collectively. Yeah, and I found that super obvious reading this book that he, you could really tell that he cared about people. Um, I don't know anything about humanism, in all honesty, but um, just from that kind of description, you could really see it. It's funny because so much of the book is written from the view of the character of death so that so much humanity can be portrayed in a book that is literally run by death, I think speaks to skill. Yes. So one of my favorite things in these books is how obvious his love for people and humans and human behavior just shines through. Uh, the books are so funny and absurd, but there is this undeniable human element in all of them. I tend to worry when I pick up fantasy books because like I said, I'm a fantasy reader. So a lot of the time, especially in the older stuff, like 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, it's it's not good. Uh, the genre tends to be really, really dated, um, quite sexist, quite racist. There's it's just not particularly woke. Some of it is, and some of it's not bad, but there is there are problems in the genre. But it turns out, if you love people the way that Terry Pratchett did, it doesn't get you into a lot of trouble, even with age. Yeah, I was really surprised. I mean, not really surprised because you've said this so many times, but um, I still expected to feel offended at some point because every single thing that I read or watch or listen to from before maybe this year there's always something offensive and there was nothing here it was just like really nice good clean fun yeah i think that like the only complaint really that i've heard was that there weren't enough women but to be fair um witches are not supposed to go out on hogs watch night it's bad luck mm. so and a lot of our big female characters other than Susan. I mean, there's some other ones, but they're in The Watch. Like, they're from different series. So I didn't notice it because I do know that there are a lot of women in the series overall. Just not a ton in this book in particular. Yeah. So it didn't upset me. I mean, I didn't even think of that. Which is kind of interesting, actually. So usually I don't enjoy predominantly male character books. But yeah, it didn't, it didn't even cross my mind. Should we talk about the actual book? Yes, I guess so. What was this book about? <sighs> I loved it so much. It was so much fun. I had a great time reading this. Um, there was quite a few times where I, I wasn't 100% sure what was going on, um, which apparently is like a common feeling that people have after reading this. Um, even with our book club, they thought, you know, they had no idea what was going on most of the time. Um, I had a good idea what was going on some of the time, <laughs> but that was enough. I knew what was going on the whole time, but I don't know that maybe it's because I have read so much of this world that I'm just used to his style. I must speak Pratchett or something because like, I can see where it could be confusing. There are a lot of characters 
There's a lot of flipping back and forth between these different groups. And Terry Pratchett doesn't put chapters or even chapter breaks. He barely even puts line breaks in the books. So it's pretty whirlwind and breakneck when you're going through it. But I must just be used to it. I was really surprised to hear how many people struggled with it. Yeah, literally everybody that I've talked to or reviews that I've read or, you know, reviews that I've watched, everyone's like, what happened in that book? I do wonder if, because for our book club, it was everybody except for my first time reading him. So I do wonder if uh, it had not been the very first book, if that would have made a difference. Yeah, I didn't, there was times where I didn't know what was going on, but it didn't affect my enjoyment of the book. I was either able to just flip back and find a spot where I maybe skimmed over and missed something important because there's just so much going on. And this isn't a book that you're just skim reading. You actually have to kind of pay attention because yeah, you will, you will totally miss something if you fall asleep, which I did not because of the book but because of my eight-month-old baby. Yes. <laughs> I was tired. Babies will do that. <sighs> yes. So, so yeah, there was a few times where I wasn't sure what was happening. And sometimes I flipped back and sometimes I just kept going because I thought, don't care. I'm having a good time <laughs> and I'm going to keep going. And it didn't, yeah, I didn't, when I got to the end of the book, it wasn't like I felt like I had missed out on a whole ton of stuff. Yeah, I really loved the pacing of it. Like, when you're flipping between all these characters, like, yeah, we had a lot of characters and we had a lot of groups, but they were all working different angles of the same problem. And the story was told in a linear fashion, so we weren't flipping back and forth in time. Everything that happened was supposed to precede what happened immediately afterwards. So I didn't find that I was getting lost at all, but apparently that was just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, with there being so many characters, like some people have said that kind of, it was like too many, they weren't sure who was talking or who, you know, whatever. But for me, I kind of grouped them all, like the groups together. So we have like the wizards. I didn't really think of them as individual wizards. They I aren't really. I thought of them as the wizards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like Ridkali, maybe. For the rest, like the Bursar, the other guys, you really could interchange them and it doesn't change the story. Yeah, and same with the, I don't know, the bad guys, the, the thieves or... Medium Dave and Banjo. <laughs> yeah. I kind of grouped them all up together too. And they were just a group that did the bad stuff. Yeah, as long as you knew Tea Time, and then really Medium Dave and Banjo were the only ones that you needed to know, Chicken Wire and the other guy. I, I mean, yeah. doesn't really matter. They were almost filler. What's the other guy? Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Okay, so I guess, what was the story about? <laughs> so this is where I thought, I actually, to tell the truth, thought I knew more about what happened in the book until I tried writing down what happened in the book. And then I thought, I don't know what happened in the book. <laughs> Right? It, I, I don't know. I'm tell okay, so I make YouTube videos, and every time I go to do a Discworld review, I sit down and I stress out because I'm like, there's no way to explain what happens in this book in any way that makes sense to people. No. And yeah, Hogfather is the exact same. <laughs> there's so many things happening. Yeah. The story is just so rich and so layered that trying to just summarize it was like, it was really hard. I mean, I tried. Yeah. But I don't. <laughs> well, let's see. Let's go through it. Oh, something 
sorry, that's really fun about Terry Pratchett's stuff. Like we were saying that lots of the references will go over your head, but some of them won't, some of them land. But he, like his books, if you actually sit down with like a brain genius who knows all of the references, it is actually incredible how detailed and complicated these references can be. I chose a couple of the ones that like, I thought people might actually know. But yeah, there's references to Mary Poppins and lines in Monty Python, uh, Lewis Carroll through the looking glass. There's a whole part that references that. Uh, there's a little bit of Twas the Night Before Christmas in there. Yeah. But then there's other stuff like, you know, the really old, I think they're really old. Maybe they still do it. I don't know what commercials are like anymore. But Alka-Seltzer had that pop, pop, fizz, fizz, what a wonderful thing it is. Well, he mm -hmm. does like, a thing on that in the book. So I guess if you're a hundred years old, I'm sorry, not a hundred, but if you're older and you remember that commercial, you know, that's going to hit a little bit different than if you don't. But yeah, so there's, there's just so many of them throughout this whole book. Yeah, I would definitely like to, I think maybe what I might do is kind of turn it into a Christmas tradition, yes. read it every Christmas time, because then, you know, pick up something different every time, maybe know what's actually going on in the times where I didn't know what was going on. Right. And then as I get older, maybe yeah. know more stuff. And if you read more of the Discworld books, like there are some characters who are recurring characters that I knew that none of you guys would have known because you haven't read the other books, but there was Nobby Knobs from the City Watch. So I definitely got a lot more enjoyment in his scene because I know him as a character. And so the things he was doing were very, very funny to me. Um, and there were a bunch of, of characters who showed up, kind of did their little cameo and then walked away that nobody else would have noticed, but I was sitting there just killing myself. But okay, now on to the actual what happened in this book. For real this time. For real, I promise. Okay. Oh, just one sec. I'm kidding. No, just go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So it starts out with these, I don't know, beings called the auditors deciding that they want to kill the Hogfather, who is essentially Santa Claus. So they are going to hire assassins to do it from the Assassin's Guild. Yes, in Discworld, all of the crime in Discworld is regulated and taxed. So that's why there's an Assassin's Guild, there's a Thieves Guild, there's a Beggar's Guild. So everybody pays their taxes and then they can do their crimes. But you have to have a receipt. And apparently there's pretty kind of strict rules about how you have to go about these crimes. Yes, assassins have a code of honor that, you know, you live by. So they were going to kind of fire this assassin called Tea Time because he was so crazy and really relished in his killings. Yes. Which you're not really supposed to do. I believe um, he lacked elegance. Yes. Was what their problem was. But because of all that, they thought he might be the perfect guy to try to figure out how to kill this mythical being, the Hogfather. Yeah, I think they didn't really think that it was a real job, so why not put the nutcase on it? Yeah. But turns out the nutcase had already made up a plan in the past about how he would do this. So he knew what to do. Yeah, he saved a lot of time there. Yeah. So yeah, next we meet Susan, who is Death's granddaughter. And I'm not even gonna get into why Death has a granddaughter, but trust me, he's got one and her name is Susan. And she's a human. Yes, mostly. So, I mean, mostly, yeah. She's not a skeleton is kind of yeah. <laughs> what I was going for. <laughs> she has skin. She has skin. And all that stuff. 
I believe she is mortal. I don't know that much about Susan because we actually meet her for the first time in the book Soul Music, which is the 16th book in the series and the second book, I believe, in the death sub group of books. So I haven't actually met Susan yet other than in The Hogfather. So there's a bunch of other stuff and backstory. Like I didn't understand the Raven who turns out his name is Quoth, um, like Quoth the Raven, nevermore. I guess that her and him have history in the other books, but I didn't know what the hell this Raven was about the whole book. I, I honestly didn't question it. <laughs> yeah, it I mean, <laughs> everything is so ridiculous. Why would you? I mean, yeah, he's hanging out with the Grim Squeaker. Yeah, who is the death of rats. Yes, he's the death of rats. He's just yes. so cute. So cute. So Susan um, is trying to live a normal life. She doesn't want to have anything to do with all this death business and whatever powers she has. She just wants to be regular. So she gets a job as a governess of two young children who, I mean, don't have a really big part in the book or anything, but it does kind of show her how she fights off the boogeyman and the other monsters that are hiding under the bed. And it kind of seems like it's a joke, but it's not. She's actually slaying them. So. Yeah, because she can see them because she's kind of part of that realm. And children, because they believe in them, can see them. So yeah, it is Hog's Watch night. The Hogfather is out, just being the Hogfather, going down chimneys, leaving presents. Then what happens? <laughs> ah, but of course, the assassin is doing his work. Tea time, he gets him. So all of a sudden, nobody believes in the Hogfather anymore. And death, he noticed. So he steps up to fill in the role of the Hogfather, which I'm sorry, but death as the Hogfather with the beard and the belly, which is a pillow just stuffed in his shirt and him saying, ho, ho, ho. The contrast between what death is and what the Hogfather is makes it so funny to watch him try and be this jolly figure. Oh, they were my absolute favorite parts of this book. Like, <laughs> hilarious. I, just when it was revealed that Death was now the Hogfather, I just laughed my ass off. It was so funny. Yeah, he is actually in all of the books, or just about, even if it's just a cameo coming in and somebody dies and then he has a little scene. He's always surprisingly funny. So getting to spend so much time with him with so many lines was such a treat. So the reason that death has come and is doing this is because the way that belief works in the Discworld is as like an actual force. So the way that mortals will live their life in like a linear fashion and then die at the end, the immortal beings or the anthropomorphic personifications of ideas like death and the hog father, um, they are born when people believe in them and they die when they don't. So to keep the Hogfather from dying, Death tries to keep the fire of belief burning. Yes, so he yeah goes down the chimneys, leaves the gifts, lets kids see him here and there, which I think would be quite terrifying, in all honesty. <laughs> <laughs> What's fun about Death is, no, you can't really see him. You know that he's there, you're looking at a person, but you see, like, your eyes slide over him. Yeah, which was a really cool way to describe that because I could totally see that happening. One of my favorite parts is when he goes to the mall. The mall, which, by the way, is spelled M-A-U-L, which yes. I loved. <laughs> they do kind <laughs> of like the mall. 
a Macy's thing where they've got like the whole thing is decked out for Hogs Watch and the hog father that they have standing in there, which is like a mall Santa, Death goes to do that so that he can give the kids their gifts. But when they ask for something, he just straight up pulls it out of the sack because he's magic. So yeah, why not? it didn't matter what they asked for, like a full on sword. Here you go. A, <laughs> yeah. a pony. Sure. It's in your bedroom. Have at her. Yeah, that was great. I loved that scene so much. I, I could just read that over and over again. It was one of my favorite parts for sure. In the meantime, tea time is gathering this group together to, I guess it's already happened. It has already happened. Yes. So tea time. He's a bastard, and he gets this group of crooks together to go and finish this job. And they... So they need teeth. This is why it's so complicated, is because now I have to tell you about the Tooth Fairy. (laughs) Basically, it's really old magic, and so pieces of hair or fingernail clippings or teeth, it's old magic and you can control people if you have parts of them. The Tooth Fairy is such old magic that she can do it. But she lives in a magical realm where death can't go. So that's Tea Time's plan, is to go to this realm of the Tooth Fairy, take all of the children in the world's teeth, do some magic so that none of them believe in the Hogfather anymore. And that is why, suddenly, nobody believes in the Hogfather. Yes. Death doesn't know anything is up until Tea Time just in cold blood kills the Tooth Wagon driver, Ernie, uh, who did everything he said. I think it was a really good setup to really understand Tea Time as a villain that he will just kill the innocent without any remorse. He just kills anybody. Yeah, he didn't Anything care. that comes in his way, just, yeah, just kills him. And it was actually sad. Like, it was a little bit shocking, I thought. Yeah. I don't know why I thought he was going to let him live a little bit, but... So did I. Saved him. And then he kills him, and then you think he is alive for a little bit until he's actually looking at his own dead body. Yeah. But Death, he's a little bit distracted because he can sense the magic and he knows something is wrong. So that is how Death even gets tipped off that he's going to need to step up as the Hogfather. Right. Um, Oh, and then as the Hogfather, he goes to Susan and he says, don't help me because Susan is so stubborn that she's like, well, I'm going to help you then. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he tricks her into doing it. Is it right that he needs her help because he can't go to where the Tooth Fairy is because it's like it's like a land of, it's described as like a children's drawing. Yes. And children, they don't really have death in their lives in a way. Yeah, so because they don't have the full grasp of what death is, death can't be there. I think they explained it like, Instead of saying, you know, your grandma has died and she's dead and she's never coming back, they just say she's gone away. So children just believe, okay, well, they just disappear. They're just gone now. Yeah. So there's no death in that land. It's described as exactly how you would think of a, a child's drawing, which I really love that too. It was so vivid and, you know, like the, the sky's really blue the grass is really green, the tree trunks are brown, there's nothing in the middle, just sky, nothing, ground. We've all drawn this house, it's got the swirly smoke coming out of the chimney, the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, I was going to mention, one thing I didn't think about until everybody read it was how ridiculous the names are in this series. I am used to having one of the city watch guys is Colin. So like, I just know a character whose name is Colin. So, like, and another one's name is Carrot. Ridiculous names like Tea Time don't phase me even a little bit. How he pronounces it, uh, Tia Time? Tia Time, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't notice anything was too weird with the character names, but I mean, I all, I mean, I guess yeah, if you think there's Chicken Wire or whatever that guy's name yeah. was, but I think <laughs> Medium that's, Dave Banjo. Yeah, I, yeah. but I love. The, I guess I love the name Medium Dave because I yeah <laughs> I like the word I like the word medium a lot. I use it to yeah. describe a lot of things. So. <laughs> I mean, that worked for me. Um, but I think probably because I kind of lumped those characters together a lot that it, it, I don't know, I didn't really notice. Or it was just, it's, it's to be expected in such a world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I didn't even think to ask anybody else at book club if that was weird to them, but it wasn't weird to me anyways. It just, his name's Tea Time? Of course it is. Why, why wouldn't it be? I thought it made sense. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, he's controlling all the children in the world with the teeth. Um. So then Susan is trying to yeah he's she's trying to figure out the the mystery of of what's happened, and she travels to what is essentially the North Pole, but is actually called the Castle of Bones. Yes. Which I mean, I kind of thought it was a little weird. The Castle it of was Bones. A little weird and creepy, but I wonder if it was normally like Santa's workshop yeah. and we just never got but, to experience it. Yeah, because if he was gone, then that magic was gone from there as well. Because then she just meets um, this, finds this man splayed out in the snow who turns out to be the oh god of hangovers. Yes. Which was hilarious. He was very, very funny because there is this whole other subplot where because the Hogfather is no longer in the world, there is suddenly an excess of belief. So all of these small gods who nobody believes in anymore or they don't think about, when they actually get thought of, suddenly spring into existence. Because it takes way less belief. Because there's just so much extra hanging around. Yeah, so basically this oh god of hangovers takes all the hangovers from people. They get drunk. <sighs> And then in the morning, they wake up fine. He wakes up never fine. So never. he he spends quite a lot of his part of the book talking about how horrible he feels. And it is written in such a way that it actually feels like the world is spinning around you. It's it disgusting. It made me queasy. I was thinking, I'm currently 18 weeks pregnant, which makes me outside of my first trimester. But that first trimester is brutal and I spend so much time sick. I'm pretty sure I couldn't have finished this book reading that part if I was still feeling that sick. I was surprised how hard just reading those descriptions hit me. Yeah, even just thinking about them, I kind of feel a little bit green. Yeah, it was a lot. I was glad when the wizards gave him the cure because then he could just like not have a hammer hitting his head and feel like vomiting all of the time. And he actually literally had a hammer hitting his head. There was like a little elf or something <laughs> yes. that its job was to just hit his head repeatedly with a hammer. Yep. That's funny. <laughs> his name was, was it Bilius? Bilius, yes. Bilius. So Susan, you know, kind of takes him and yeah, gets him the cure from the wizard so he doesn't have to feel so horrible anymore. And then he's like, well, now what am I going to do? Got no other job. May as well help you out. Yeah. And he does. And it turns out that in a previous book as well, Susan and Ridicoli, the headmaster of the Unseen University, they actually have history. So that explains why she would even think to go there in the first place to right, the Wizards. Yeah. yeah, I was kind of wondering. I think that was probably one of those parts where I thought that I had missed something because mm -hmm. suddenly they were going there and I was like, 
Why would you go there? There must be a reason, right? In just researching, I found out that it's just something I didn't know about yet. Susan does make it. She makes it to tea time by tracking down a tooth fairy and they get to the world anyways. They find this kidnapped tooth fairy who's there. She bites all of these boogeymen and it turns out that the whole thing is kind of led by the original boogeyman who was the original darkness at the beginning of time and then she kills tea time. Well, I mean, she doesn't kill him. He does come back, but it, he appears dead, I guess. Yeah, it seems like he's dead. If they die actually there, the bodies show back up in Discworld. But I'm wondering if they show up dead? Because there's no death there, so they can't die there. They just go away. Right, and so would they be alive then when they came back to Discworld? I mean, they must. Yeah. That's nice, because then there was a little bit less senseless murder. Yeah. So, yeah, Tea Time was still alive, but then he does, in the end, get defeated. Yes. Death and Susan, like, even though the whole thing seems like it should be fine, she has to go because the auditors are still trying to kill Santa. Sorry, the Hogfather. And so they're chasing this hog that turns out to be the Hogfather. It does this whole process going through... It kind of parallels the original solstice stories where our Santa Claus and our like pagan history story goes. And you kind of see the evolution through that. I mean, it, it starts out with the Hogfather being shown as a man wearing a loincloth, yes. which I was a little bit confused about at first. So it's like, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yes. The Hogfather is in his underwear. And his underwear of choice yeah. is, <laughs> is yeah. a loincloth. So that, that was where my mind went. <laughs> Obviously, that wasn't it. Because it starts as the solstice, and the whole thing was that originally they would kill the hogs so that the sun would come up the next day. So they believed that the sun would not come up unless they killed these hogs. So that's why he's basically a caveman. And then as they progress through their belief, he changes as she's looking at him. So that's why he's like a caveman, is just because they were at that stage of, yes. yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that made a little bit more sense at the end of that scene, but at the beginning- It I made was, no sense. Don't, I, don't try I and mean. trick anyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It, it, it didn't make any sense, but it was nice to read. Yeah. It was still fun. A big theme in this book was obviously belief, and I really liked these two quotes from it. They're talking about how, I think it's Death and Susan who are talking here. And she's saying, like, why do we need to believe these things when we're little? And he says, as practice, you have to start out learning to believe the little lies. She says, so we can believe the big ones? Yes, justice, mercy, and duty. And the idea is that those are these big lies that keep humanity striving for more. Yeah, I really like that quote, too. And it also reminded me a little bit i mean i am not religious and i i'm not sure if this would offend anybody but it did kind of remind me a little let's bit let's find of, out uh, <laughs> we'll see um it did remind me a little bit of religion when i read that quote because i mean i think i mean i don't know how the belief in in god goes but i think 
having to believe in those little things definitely has to go hand in hand with believing in in God when you're an adult and having that kind of faith. Um, not that I know anything about that, but that's just kind of where my, my mind went to. There was definitely a feeling of belief being a synonym for faith yeah. throughout the book. And I know that Terry Pratchett was not religious. And he actually pokes a lot of fun at religion through a lot of the books. Yeah, which I've heard a little bit about that. So if anybody's a really big fan, then they're probably okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, In all honesty, I, I never really know when I'm being offensive and when I'm not. So sometimes I just gotta slide it in there. <laughs> Sorry. And then there was this other quote that I really like and that I know Terry Pratchett said in other interviews not just in this book, but it was on belief about how it is the place where the falling angel meets the rising ape. It's that place between God, basically, the higher stuff, and the ape, which would be like us without our consciousness and our humanity. So that belief is what connects us. It's that middle place. And I just, I love that idea so much. Yeah, it's really great. The whole book just talks about just the power of story, the power of myths, you know, how they, they shape our lives and how they change and evolve. And I mean, they start, you know, at the beginning and the stories are always kind of the same, but they change with us. Um, but in the end, I mean, I don't know what I'm trying to say. And I'm guessing you mean as like, as a, like a human race are when we were living in caves, our myths were different than they are now. But they've always evolved from a place yeah. to bring us to where we are now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, especially since Terry Pratchett is such an incredible storyteller, the way that this book was built around stories and myths was incredible. It was, it really kind of showed the craft, not just his, but just the craft of storytelling in general. I love that this is a Christmas story, so it's fun. It's kind of like a Christmas special where you have the same characters, but it's just got that Christmas flavor to it. So once a year, you can just dig in and enjoy and just bask in the Christmas glory. And all of our Christmas stories, they always have the same meanings at the end. Like they're really just recycled and recycled. But this one felt really different and really fun. So I think picking it up every year would actually be really nice. Yeah, I mean, I would love to do that. And I think I will. I'm not a huge rereader, but I think, you know, something for the holidays. I mean, there's only so much out there anyways, in terms of good stories. Yeah, good and new. <laughs> I'm also not much of a rereader, but with Discworld, I know that I will return to these stories because like I said, there were so many things in this book that I know if I had read, say, Soul Music, I would have picked up in this one. So the reread value of this series is huge. And I just, I think that I could read the same books a few times and never get sick of them and always pick up something new. Yeah, you're always going to get more out of them. And I didn't feel like I suddenly needed to drop everything and pick up all these Discworld books and get into it. But I, I do want to read more. And I definitely want to start with the death books because he was just my favorite character He's so good. Like, hands down. So everything he said was great. How a character called Death can have so much humanity and have so much 
kind of comedic effect was it was just excellent that's where i'll be starting myself but yeah i'll i'll be partaking in some i'm so glad because (laughs) i have just been out here preaching the good word of terry pratchett if i had religion at this point honestly from 2020 it would be like pratchettism because (laughs) i'm just trying so hard to make anybody understand what i'm saying any of the time and I mean, I think some people would follow you. Uh, you, you know what? Try. What else am I doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny because it's it's lots of stuff. But... <laughs> yeah. May as well throw being a. Why not have a weird religion too? Yeah. Why Come not? on. Uh, I mean, let's see how the podcast goes, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to us just talk about the story and Hogfather and Terry Pratchett. And I hope maybe you understand a little bit about what happened in the book. Because, I mean, I think I know a little bit more now. Yeah, so we're going to open up a thread over on our Best Book Club Facebook page. So come on over there. If you have read the book, tell us what you thought. Tell us what we got right and tell us what you think we got wrong. I want to open up a discussion with you guys about it. One of the things that we are wanting to do is read along with you guys. Every month, our book club picks a book and reads it, obviously. We would like to invite you to read along with us. Shanna, why don't you tell us which book (laughs) we are reading since it was your choice? Well, it was my choice again. Uh, Next book for January will be The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Clune. The episode will be airing on Wednesday, January 20th. So you have until then to have the book finished if you want to listen along and hear what we thought. We will also, once again, be opening up a thread on the Facebook page for everybody to get together and talk about the book. So yeah, we'd love to hear what you have to say about it. And we will read your comments out and comment on them ourselves. Yes. Or if you have any questions that you think that maybe we might know the answers to, maybe we will, maybe we won't. Yeah, throw them at us. Until then, we are going to be uploading weekly. So if you join us next week, that'll be January 6th. We'll be discussing how we felt about 2020. Well, about our reading and maybe a little bit about 2020, but it's a reading and book podcast. So we'll try and stick with that. But we also will be talking about our reading goals for 2021. Go to the Facebook page there too. We want to hear what your reading goals are. I want to hear how your 2020 went and we can start a discussion there as well. And then on other episodes, we'll talk about other books that we've read or just other book related topics. Yes. So those, I mean, we'll tell you a week ahead of time what we'll be talking about. So if you do want to quickly catch up, uh, but it'll be just like the really, the big books, the big book club books that we give you like a month in advance for everything else. You're just gonna have to read really fast. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys, you can follow us over at best book club on all of the social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Do we have a Twitter? Not yet, but maybe we should figure out how to do that. I do not understand Twitter, but you know no. what? Let's try it. At me. Yeah. I, th- I think that's what you say yeah. about Twitter. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I, I don't know. Yeah, so we got on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, that's 
where we are right now. I, Shanna, me, am over on YouTube as Shanna K, uh, or Vellum and Velicor. So you can go over there and you can watch me blather on about books there as well. I upload every week and I would love to talk to you over there too. Um, oh, and I just uploaded a video on Hogfather today. So if you aren't sick of hearing me yet, go check that out. And uh, you can find me. I don't do videos because, well. She's not nearly as cocky as I am. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but I do write reviews mostly. So you can find me on Facebook at That's Weird J. Also, I did have my own website, but we are launching a new one. That's right. So we are launching a new website together. Um, so we will link that as soon as it's going. Read what I think. Yes, I will see how show notes works. Hopefully I can figure that out. We're new at this. I mean, we, I want you guys here with us, but please have patience while I get smart. Yes, it might take a little while. A <laughs> couple episodes at least, but we'll figure couple it out. A couple episodes, yes. So yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us. Keep reading and we'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. We did it.